Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Blake Bingham teaches on not being a victim. I'm OCD about my notebooks, so I just stopped trying, and now I just got them all everywhere. Um, but I think I think the most worthwhile thing that you can do with your entire life, period, is just sit at the feet of Jesus. Like I think. At the end of the day, like the most va- the most valuable thing that you can do, there's nothing there's nothing you can build, there's nothing you can strive that adds value to you, to your identity. So I think the most valuable, most worthwhile thing that you could ever do with any moment that you ever have is to sit at the feet of Jesus. I think that's I think that has to be the foundation. That has to be the that has to be the birthplace of everything we step into. And so I you know. I think that's the most important thing, period, is just sitting at his feet. And from there, there's so many beautiful things. Like, there's so much that he wants to add to you from that beginning. But so often we try to get the thing that he adds to us or find or find things to add to us without the beginning, you know. And so I, I think you can't have one you can't have the added to without the beginning, but once you have the beginning, the added to is like the the adventure is grand, you know. So I don't want to I don't want to take away from what he has for us to do and the things that he has to build. Like I don't we and I'm going to talk more about like first I'm going to recap about Wednesday a little bit, but I'm going to talk more about some tearing down and some some removing of stuff because I think I I, I know. I know there's that much more value on what he wants to build. You know, there's that much more value on what he wants to release us into and run us into. But the, there's such value in the removing, in the tearing down, in the in the stripping away of, of, of things, you know. So I, I do want to, like, there's a beautiful picture laid out in front of us of him building. Of, hi, of him, like, from this place of us sitting like little kids at his feet. Like, there's this beautiful picture of him like a dad holding us by the hand walking us up different hillsides different riversides different different mountaintops floating down different rivers with us as we as we we carve a, a paddle into the side just to steer and just to see and have vision in front of us of a beautiful landscape and a beautiful countryside that he's created you know just a gentle subtle carving as he gives us vision like it, there's such wonder and such purpose and such hope He's he's designed in every moment like that for our lives. So and, and I see him like a dad just w- walking with us up up mountainsides, up hillsides where the view and the perspectives a lot higher than where we ever saw at other places in our life. So the the heights that we the foundation that we allow him to create and the foundation we lay with him in our lives, it prophesies of of the heights and of the adventures and of of the expanse that he's able to build to the degree that we let him dig and have foundation and work things that found us in our life that's the degree that he can those those moments that we spend in his feet prophesy to our future they prophesy to what he's destined us for they they open up and give capacity for what he he longs to do with us and in us you know so last Wednesday we talked a little bit about um, the constant tension of undoing. He's always he always longs to be undoing un, in us, and he always longs to be doing in us. 
He always longs for that to, for us to, to land somewhere in tension. And there's times where he's undoing more than it seems like we're doing. And there's times where it's like we're running and running and he's undoing a little bit as we run. But it's always in tension of him doing and undoing. And it's a beautiful balance that he sets up our whole life to be. Um, so uh, last Wednesday, like Wednesday, we touched on that. And the fact that he, he calls us a city on a hill that can't be hidden. You know, he calls us this beautiful, like, archaic city on a hill that's strong and founded and rooted and has a foundation and has watchtowers and has, like, like um, has archeriness for battle and has, has all these defenses and not just defenses and things for battle, but has all this infrastructure that adds life, all these roads and all this, these, uh, the ability of water, the ability of food, all these farms, all these provisions, all these things that he has as a city that he sees each one of our lives as. He sees each one of our lives as this, this fortress, this place of fortitude, this place of safety and foundedness. And he says, hey, this is you. Like, and, and, and even beyond that, the safety and security of, of, of what's around us, the, the longing, like the, the amount of people that will, t- the, that the, even just the security of our walls and the security of our provision and how rooted and founded we are, the amount of people that will just come and nuzzle up next to us that we'll never even see, that just know that there's not going to be an enemy within a thousand feet, within a thousand miles of the parameters of our reach, of the parameters of the presence that permeates from us. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's such security that a world finds from a city on a hill with endless defenses, you know, and with endless provisions and endless presence. And he says, I've set you up as a city that's untoppable, unstoppable. And so a lot of times we don't see our lives like that, you know, because a lot of times what we're doing and where we began wasn't founded, wasn't founded at this place at his feet as a son, as a daughter, you know. It was founded at the striving. It was founded at the grappling. It was founded on something that wasn't real solid, you know. So there's beauty in what he wants to do in you. And there's such a lure and there's such call and there's such destiny that he's just, in everything that you hear that stirs you, it's calling a little bit of destiny forth. It's showing you a little bit of picture. It's showing you, it says, without vision, the people perish. It says, and perish alludes to having no restraint, having no parameters, having no, having no hope in something bigger than you. So he says, I long to give you vision. I long to give you purpose. I long to give you things that stir you and push you and provoke you and move you past what you've seen. He longs to do that. So we have this thing out in front of us, but we have this now where we're at, where he's always like, hey, there's, you have the, you have, I have the purpose in my heart for you to have more capacity in your world for my love. So there's this, there's this ever extended invitation to know him deeper. It's never that he withholds a thing from us, but it's that we, the, the hardness sometimes of our soil and our heart aren't conducive for his love to permeate and take resident and make reservoir of, you know. So he says, I, I give you this extended invitation for my love and my, my just overflowing affection for you to dig down into the roots of your soil to make, to, to make parameters and to make possible every single thing that I've dreamed of your life over the surface, that I dream of your family's life over the surface, that I've dreamed of your bloodline over the surface, every single thing. It, I, he says that you're, not, you're never without. I've got a plan to, to dissolve the hardness of the soil to let everything that I, I, I desire to put on you later not have any not have any weight 
to where it's just like like he like a foundation to where the more weight that's added onto it, the more just supported it becomes. Um, so he says, I long for you to be ever increasing in your capacity to receive my love. I long for you. He, he longs for us to just continue to be bigger reservoirs of his love and I'm not going to go much more into that from where I was but everything in your life is founded on something you know and and I'm not I, I feel like sometimes I always speak about certain I always speak about pulling stuff out I always speak about like digging up soil digging out lies digging out things that we believe aren't true better I didn't always but I, without those things like the the um the expanse and vastness of wonder and heights he, he dreams us to be is directly contingent upon the size and soundness of our foundation. And there are things that we don't even fully know that are integrated into our foundation that he says, hey, I'm going to keep picking at that. I'm going to keep giving you opportunity to move that. I'm going to keep giving you that. that. I'm going to keep giving you that. So everything in your life is founded on something. You know, every, whether it's something that's growing bad in your life, and may, whether it's anxiety or fear or lust or frustration or hate or torment, whatever, like if there's something like that growing in your life, it's founded on something. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it, there's something that undergirds it and you believe to hold that thought up. And we, you know, you could look at that as like a stronghold. A stronghold is what holds you strongly. And so there's something that supports an idea that you're not enough. There's something that supports an idea that you can't be confident in your tomorrow. There's something that supports an idea that God will always let you down, that you can't trust him, that he's not, he's not big enough to have a plan for your day today, tomorrow, or to the next day, so you've got to kind of figure it out and have a contingency plan in case he drops the ball. So there's any, any, anything like that is founded on something. It's held, in t it's held strongly by something, and, w and it's something that we perceive to hold that up and give it um, validation. So Jesus really cares, whether that's good or bad. If we have a truth that we hold, there's something that founds that. There's something that, that holds that up. So Jesus really cares what we about what we build on. So we, 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 we see a glimpse of what he sees us as, what he, see what he created us for. What, he, what he's destined us for, what he formed us out of dirt. And when, when he fashioned us and knit us together in the womb, we see this glimpse that he sees us as this strong, stable city on a hill that's safe for our kids and safe for our grandkids and safe for our great-grandkids and safe for 500 to a th thousands of years down the line of me. It's going to be safe because of what, I, what God saw me as is what God saw you as. It's safe. Because love thrives in safety. Love thrives in being protected. And this whole thing is about experiencing the exchanging intimacy with the Father and then doing everything in our power for the rest of our life to let that grow, incubate it, and protect it. So I'm not going to do one single thing that would hinder love, you know. And that's the, that's the posture. So Jesus really cares what we build on and what we use to build with. So what we build on and what we build with will be kind of where I'm at today. So 
I feel like he looks at us with the compassion of a tender father, and he looks at us square in the eyes, and he just invites our attention. He says, hey, he says, hey, what is that founded on? What's that, what is that, what's that founded on? What's that built on? What's that anxiety built on? What's that fear built on? What's that, fr- what's that thing that keeps you up? What's that thing that just keeps you bound up in tension and feels like it's pulling you apart? What's that built on? What is that built on? He says that thing that's integrated into your life, what kind of foundation does it have? What kind of foundation does that thing have that yells at you, that accuses you, that says that you're not, says all these riling accusations about it? What is that founded on? Where's it, what's it founded on? What kind of foundation does it have? If we look at Matthew 7, 24 and 27. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner. Improvements to your standards of living, they are foundational words to build a life on. So he's saying, hey, these things that I've whispered to you while you sat at my feet, these aren't incidental words. These aren't things that I just kind of rambled over you, but these were things that he says, homeowner, these were things to build a house upon. These are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner. Improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into, if you work, if man, it's so beautiful. If you work these words into your life like a smart carpenter who builds his house on solid rock, rain poured down and river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies and don't teach and don't work them into your don't work them into your life. You are like a stupid carpenter who builds his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. And in the New King James, it says, and that house fell and what a fall it was. What a fall it was. So there's this invitation to build on solid with wholeness and joy. There's this invitation to build like that. But first he says, hey, like I love in, in, um, in Jeremiah 1, it says, I've commissioned you th- this day to uproot, to tear down, to take things out, to uproot things. And then I've commissioned you to build and to plant. And I feel like there's such a commission in our hearts. To see what our, to see what's integrated into our foundation, to see what kind of crack, to see what kind of things are b- amidst the good foundation, to see what kind of things are being held up right in the middle of it by something that's just completely full of hot air. I, I, I feel like there's this invitation to use some tools, just like it's like uh, to use every word that proceeds when we're at His feet, to see to see something built beyond, to see something built beyond just what we see. 
And I think the beautiful thing about it is there's an invitation to let some things fall. I think there's this invitation to let some of his waves crash over you and absolutely destroy some of the things that have been founded on something that's not like him. I think there's this beautiful invitation to have like this 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 moment where you where you sit at his feet and he he says, hey, sit still just for a second. You got to trust me. You got to trust me. Just just for just trust me. He just trust me, because as this thing crashes over you, you're going to you're going to have things that have that have whispered to you and lied to you and held up these unhealthy tendencies for your whole life and given you a, given you reasons to run and given you reasons to bear down and not run when you shouldn't. And he says, just let this let this storm is about to crash over. Just just relax. Don't 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 stand in, in, in striving. Don't stand trying to hold every little piece of your house together. He says, hey, just let this let this come. Let let it come, because when he when he crashes over you. Every single thing that came again, every single thing that had intended to destroy you and kill you and pillage you and steal from your family and steal from your children and take no prisoners whatsoever but to leave you dead. But to leave you completely dead and ashamed and embarrassed and hopeless. Every single thing that had rose up against you, he says, hey, let's see what happens in my wake. He says, those things that yelled at you, those things that accosted you, lay dead in my wake. Oh, man, when, he, when he, we let him crash over us, he says, let's see what's left in my wake. You can trust me. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm only going to do what has to be done to remove things that are longing to strip you of all your dignity and all your hope and all your tomorrow. He says, let's see what's left in my wake. Because, oh, my gosh, like he, we get this picture that he comes at us like a lamb, and then he comes at the enemy like a lamb, and he's like asking, you know. He's like asking, like, hey, I'd love to have this, this person whole. Oh, man, like that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. He comes at us like a lamb, but he comes at, he comes at anything that accuses us like the most gnarly war machine you've ever seen. He looks at death, and he says in Hosea, he says, death, I'll be your plague. He says, thing that came against my child, I'll be your plague. I'll be your sting. I'll be the thing that it costs you. Man, he looks square at your, at your failure, at the thing that tried to cut your feet out from under you. And he says, you wait until you see what's left in my wake. Man, and he, I'm getting so ahead of myself. to see a city, we'll put that on hold for a second, <laughs> a city expands from the inside out and not the other way around, a city progresses and moves and, and has growth from the inside out, it doesn't look to the outside to grow, a city grows from its security and from its safety and from its culture and not from another, a safe city doesn't look all around asking somebody questions about how to do something better. But a safe city says, we, this here needs, this is going to expand. This is going to grow. This is going to move. This is, this, so, a lot of times we, 
A lot of times we look all around us looking for somebody to, to, to add to us. We, we, we have, we, we're not necessarily always founded where we should be. If we look, there's an invitation to build on solid. There's an invitation to build on solid with wholeness and joy. There's an invitation to build on his foundation with wholeness and joy. And if we look at, so I think he, he really he really focused on what we're building on, the foundation that we're building on, how, what, what the different aspects and the different tiers and the different walls around our, our life and our heart and the different buildings within us, I think there's a huge amount of concern for what those are founded on. I also think there's a huge amount of emphasis and necessity on what we build with. I think there's a huge amount of emphasis on the materials that we use, where we get them, where they come from, where their, where their roots are from. And if we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think the first half of chapter 3 is just hilarious and amazing and challenging. And I think I'm going to read it. It's not as applicable, but I want to read it. I was reading it earlier today, and I was like, that's, that's, that, that's, that's moving me to grow a little, you know. So this isn't the message. It's a kind of a different way to look at it. Um, where, I, where I'm intending to be is a little farther down. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 1, it says, But for right now, friends, I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings. With each other and with God, you're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. That's just funny language that Paul, that, that this is tied up in. It says, well, then I'll nurse you since you don't seem capable of anything more. As long as you grab what, it, what makes you feel good or what makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast? Content only with everything's going your way. Uh, content only when everything's going your way. When one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, and another says, I'm on Apollo's side, aren't you being totally infantile? Who do you think Paul is anyway, or Apollos for that matter? Servants, both of us, servants who, who waited on you as you gradually learned to entrust your lives to a mutual master. We each carried out our, our servant assignment. I planted the seed, Apollos watered, watered the plants, but God made you grow. It's not the one who plants or the one who waters who is at the center of this process, but God who makes things grow. Planting and watering are menial service jobs in the, at, at a minimum wage. What makes them worth doing is, that the, is the God who we are serving. You happen to be God's field in which we are working. Or to put it another way, you are God's house. Now we're getting into where I was starting to go. But it says, or to put it another way, you are God's house. 
Using the gift that God gave me as a good architect, I design blueprints. Apollo is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. So it says, let each carpenter who's on the job take care to build within the parameters of the foundation that will support such a work. And at another point, it says, you know, before a man builds a house, he takes a cost of what it's going to take. You don't just start building a house without a foundation laid out, without a cost of what it's going to be once you build all the walls and once you put all the flooring in, once you put all, spend all the money, what's it actually going to take to put a roof on it that's going to protect all those things? You know, he says, well, a man doesn't build a house without first counting the cost. A man doesn't go to war without first knowing the situation. So the foundation that we lay, the parameter of the city of the hill that he wants to build upon our lives and stack upon us, and the, the, beauty, the beautiful adventure that if we're not founded on a foundation seems a lot more like weight and pressure and chore than something that was intended to bring us life. He said, I design blueprints. Apollos is putting up the walls. Let each carpenter who comes on the job take care to build on the foundation. Remember, there is only one foundation, the one already laid. Jesus Christ take particular Jesus Christ take particular care in picking out your building materials. Eventually there is going to be an inspection. And if you use cheap or inferior materials, eventually there's going to be materials sorry. Eventually there's going to be an inspection. If you use cheap or inferior materials, you will be found out. The inspection will be through thorough and rigorous and you won't get by with anything. If your work passes inspection, fine. If it doesn't, you're part of a building. It doesn't. Your part of the building will be torn down and started over. But you won't be torn down. You won't be torn out. You'll survive just barely. And it goes on. But um, in, the, in, the, in other translations, it says that we build on the foundation with either materials that will last or materials that will burn up when a fire comes will burn up and not last under weight. So we either burn up with, we either build with metal and precious precious materials, like strong metallic materials that are going to be tried by fire and be able to be, be able to withstand. Or we, we build with materials like wood or wheat or, or, or something that is going to be consumed by, the f- by fire when it's present. So the beautiful thing about that is, Jesus cares about what we build with for a reason. It's not just like, hey, you like to build with wood and wheat. Too bad for you. Like, I'm gonna, it's going to get burned up, you know. It's not an insensitive thing, but thankfully enough, he cares where we build, what we build on, and then what we build with what we, with what we build on where we're building. So when, when we build with, uh, with stuff that isn't, when we build with things that aren't sound, you know, when we build with, because I understand like when we're looking at what's, what's founded in our lives and what we're building on and, you know, we can get into a lot of lies and we can get into fear, we can get into all this stuff, but when we're building on that foundation, 
are we building from his good pleasure? Are we building to receive his pleasure? Are we building to earn his love? Are we building to do these things? Are we striving? Are we, are we building from a place that isn't founded in rest? Are we building from a place that isn't founded in, in just being a good son? Are we doing something to earn something? Are we doing, are, are, are we, he's going to test the, the, not just the, the foundation and the roots and all that, but he's, it's, it's to the motives. It's to the heart. It's to, and that's, that's a beautiful thing because it ensures wholeness and it ensures joy. It ensures, it ensures so many things. So there's a lot of factors that can lead us to build with things like hay and wheat and, and, and things that would easily burn up. And one would be like if we're, work, if, if we're living our life from the outside in, if we're living our life from a place of like we're looking for other people to tell us what to build on our foundation or we're looking for affirmation in our identity from other people to then help build something in us. You know what I mean? Or if we're looking for this or we're looking for validation or we're looking if, if, if we're looking from because what that creates, the significance of what when we look to the outside of our city to build something that is meant to be cultivated within is meant to, meant to be cultivated from sitting at his feet, then what um, <coughs> what we do indirectly then is we take the power and we take the authority of our choice, which is how love is cultivated. I think er, I think that I think a may, I think air choice is intended to be one of the more powerful things on the entire planet, because God created man. He created man amidst all the animals. He created man amidst all the angels, amidst everything. He he saw he he saw such value in creating man with this ability to have life and death set before him and choose. Because through choosing love, you empower a life of love. Because that choice to live to live in love and to live at his feet. There, there's something that is infused with power and authority from heaven when we make up our mind and we partner our being and our consciousness with a yes. When we partner everything that we are with a purpose to love. So he, when we, when we live from the outside in, when we live in that, in that sort of situation where we're using, other, we're using other things or we're letting other things even affect the materials that we're using. What we do is we take that power, we take that authority, we take that, we take all that because we're powerful people who make powerful choices and those choices have the ability to affect our future. It's the way it's all set up. We take that and we say, here, I give you power over me. I give you power. I, I give you the authority to dictate what I receive of this circumstance. I give you power. I give you authority to, do, to, to, to have authority over me and have power over my inner world. When God is like, hey, you like your source is me, your source is me, I, I, and and a lot of times we try to, we try to live almost like as a victim. You know what I mean? Like we try to live in this position of like feeling like we don't have control, feeling like we don't have power, feeling like we don't have authority. When Jesus is like, hey, you do. Like you've got this life to, you've got this position in me to where I I put the power in you to choose, and I put the power in you to be powerful. When we do that, we build all these paper walls up within our wall, you know what I mean? Within our life, within our walls. And 
because I've lived, I've lived my life in positions where I've said, tell me, like, tell me who I am, where I've stro- I've, 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 I have lived in positions just striving for identity and striving for purpose and striving for somebody to tell me who I am, what I am, what I'm capable of, and, and just striving for all those things. And when we do that, we end up in the biggest messes that we've ever seen in our life. You know, we end up, we might have this amazing foundation, but we end up just stacking crap on top of it and just like, oh my gosh, that's an exhausting thing. Or even if we could look at it from this angle, like even if you're building, um, if you're building something on, on the foundation of Jesus, but it's with an intention that has a lie attached to it or has something attached to it like so it's something then that you have to maintain and it's it wasn't maybe birthed by holy spirit so it's this situation where he he where, where you're just striving and striving and striving and striving and he's just like hey let me let me lay wait to some of that let me let me lay some of that to rest Because sometimes we feel like there's, we don't have authority over what's being built in our life. Sometimes we feel like our life, we don't have any, con- sometimes anybody ever felt like things were out of control? Like there was no, like you felt like maybe your life was just spinning. Your life was running away from you. Like your life was just, there was no control over all these things that were happening to you. There was no control over all the ways that people around you were treating you. There was no control, like, th- and, and that invoked some some backlash and some fear and some stuff like all these people are treating me like this all these people all these situations like like john was talking about all these all these circumstances keep approaching me all they just keep berating me they keep like we can easily position ourselves a victim to the stuff that comes at us in life and then we live a powerless life where we never really see anything built worthwhile on the foundation that's limitless so I want to breathe courage into your backbone tonight. I want, or today, I'm used to speaking tonight. I want to breathe courage into your foundation. I want to breathe courage into your materials. Like you, like the the city that he sees you as, is far more capable than the thir- than than your ability just to deal with today, than your ability just to deal with what's coming at you, or to deal with tomorrow, or to make a plan, or to to do anything. Like his 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 purpose and love in his heart for you is far bigger than any of that. Because the, the fact of the matter is Jesus was no victim. You know what I mean? Because we live our life like we're a victim. But the, the reality is Jesus was no victim even in positioning self, himself in subjection to death. Even in positioning himself to die the most gruesome, horrible death a man could die. He wasn't a victim. Every single drop of blood was, I believe, he actually even forced it out of his body. I don't believe that it was, he wasn't victim or sub, like, 
He wasn't a victim. Nothing happened to Jesus. But Jesus, in everything he did, happened to whatever was around him. When his blood was shed, th- there was authority and power and keys. And all the, there were, there were stu- everything on earth shifted. When, his, when the first drop of his blood removed from his body, every single thing in, in the whole world, in your world, it, the, the whole thing in all of eternity, everything shifted from the moment that he happened with his blood. Some unsuspecting, just simple soldier removing a little bit of blood, every single thing as that blood hit the earth, something happened that shifted all of eternity. Every moment, every second past that from the moment he spoke into creation and every moment and every second past that, so every moment before that happened and every moment past that happened till the, till, till the end of everything, his blood hitting the ground changed it every single circumstance and said, there will never be another man that's subject to be a victim. There will never be another woman that's subject to be a victim of a choice that they made or of a choice that someone else made. There will never be another moment. Because what Adam and Eve did was they subjected all of humanity to be victim then and to be in dominion and dominated by this evil figure of Lucifer. But what Jesus did by that first drop of blood was reverse every single opportunity, every single oppressive thing, every single lie, every single thought that riled and roared and accused. He, what he did in that, like with every lash, with every single lash, with the cat of nine tails, which was all this crushed up pottery, which was actually curved back to where when it lashed your skin, it ripped all of it off. And it was dipped in, in like rotten blood of goats and sheep to where then it actually infected. And I'm sorry if that's like harsh, but like it, it was the most brutal thing that you can imagine. He was as his skin was ripped and shredded as his sh- skin was ripped and absolutely shredded off like it, there was there was this exchange. Because lash by lash, as what stripped him of, of human dignity, as what stripped him when he lay and he submitted himself to be embarrassed, ashamed, mocked, ridiculed, lash by lash, they didn't realize it, blood by blood, drop by drop, there was this authority that was coming down. There was this, there was something of heaven that was invading. And they even said, you, should, you could call down a legion of angels. You, should, you could do this and that. And I believe he was like, you have no idea what each lash that you're, you're, each drop of my blood that I'm giving you, you have no idea what it's doing. I guarantee it is so much bigger. It's so much more authoritative and powerful than a million angels. You have no clue what you're doing is actually doing. They're like, why don't you do this physical thing where we can see? Why don't you come and, and kill all the humans that are hurting you? If you're really God, as they twisted a crown of thorns on his on, on, his, on his head, he said, you have no idea what you're actually doing as I submit myself to this situation. I'm no victim to you. You have no idea. And lash by lash, as they, 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 as they stripped him of dignity, as they, as they stripped him of all those things, he says, you have no idea that I'm actually stripping, the, I'm stripping the powers of darkness of what holds humanity strong up. I'm stripping strongholds of, of the integrity 
that holds that holds all of humanity strongly. With each lash, I'm uprooting. With each lash, I'm taking that authority away. And see, because he didn't do it timidly. He wasn't a lamb walking walking as a lamb to a to a confrontation. You know, like he didn't do it timidly, but he did it as an undefeated, unprecedented, untoppable warrior. He didn't ask for the keys of death, hell, and the grave when he went to take them. He didn't ask. He didn't petition. He didn't say, hey, you know, I just love these humans, and I'd love to take what you've taken from me that I wanted to give them and have them rule and reign and have dominion over the earth in and build all these awesome cities of their lives. I just want to take that, um, that, that back, if that's okay, you know. Because his presence, his presence demanded what held you. His presence demanded, I believe even just the, the presence of him walking into to hell when he took, or Hades, when he took, and dem, his presence demanded that the keys of dominion, that the keys of death, that the keys of torture, that the keys of torment be handed back. His very presence. As he stepped into that place, I believe there was there was there were there was there was a demanding that took place. So his presence demands what holds you to release. This is a picture of a beautiful prodigal son who didn't look very beautiful, looked like a lot like a victim, a victim of his choices, a victim of how other people chose him through the choices that he made, uh, or, or a victim of the way that other people treated him through, you know, like he was, he was, he was eating hog, hog, hog slop, and like he was, they were people who were subjecting him and abusing him, and he had made all these choices that made him wind up in this crazy position, and he looked like this insane victim. And then all of a sudden, there's this moment where something switches, and he goes back home, and he sees a father running to him. He sees a father running to him, and he says, you've built long outside to build you. you you've looked long outside to build you. You've looked all over. You've tried it all to build you, to build on this foundation, like you, the, the foundation where you started. Like, you've looked long. You've looked all over the place to build. Okay. Your destiny was written on the starting point all along. As this dad runs at his son, I believe this is what he, it, I believe my imagination runs like I just imagine this father just speaking all these things over his son. He says, you, your destiny was written on the starting point all along. Like you looked reckless building and building destruction into you. You looked recklessly trying to build on you, trying to build a life, trying to have fulfillment, trying to fill something he said, you, you looked reckless building destruction into your walls with all this paper, with all this stuff. He said, let's burn it away like the wheat. Let's burn it away as he embraces him and he cries and he looks at him. He says, let's burn it away. Let's burn it. Let's burn this down. I've written you on my hands. Your identity is destined. It, say, it says in Isaiah, it says you're written on the palms of his hands. Your destiny is written in the foundation of his arms. Your, your, your destiny is written in the foundation of his steady arms. 
just like that dad running at that prodigal. And anything he ever builds in your life looks like, and it's from the outlandish affection of a father. presence demanded the keys of death, hell, and the grave to just vomit all the authority that it had. It just shook it out of it. Like his very presence just trembled the authority out of every principality and power that, that ever had a clinch over anything. And I feel like he, he has this invitation for us intentionally to be undone and seduced. He has this invitation, and he says, he says, wait. It's not even an invitation. It's not like, hey, I would love for you to come to this thing. But it's like, open up just for a second. It's like, hey, open up just for a minute. Let me in your gates. Let me in your city. Let me in this thing you built. It's cool. I see it. Like, I see it as messy. I, it's cool. Like, I get it. You were building with some really unhealthy stuff. I get it. You had some bad tools. You had some people, like, you were handed some tools that weren't super useful to build in your life i get it he's so understanding he's such a good dad and he says i totally get it i'm so sorry i'm sorry that that's how you felt i'm sorry that that was your reality i'm sorry that that lie told you that that it was founded i'm sorry that that thing that you've always believed and done was founded on something that wasn't even wasn't even true you know and i think he looks at us with such compassion he says i'm so sorry for what you knew was real I'm so sorry because I know the pain of something falling. I know what that feels like. He says, I'm so sorry. But with that pain and with that, with that tender heart of a father, he looks at you and he says, you wait. You wait until I walk in your world. You wait until you let me in those gates. You wait until you let me in the city because all that without me seems pretty tough, seems pretty rough. He says, you wait until I walk in your womb. You wait until I walk in your marriage. You wait until I walk in your ministry. You wait until I walk in your family. He says, you wait to see what my presence demands and demands that it trembles and demands that it falls. You wait till you see the wake of my presence. You wait till you see the wake of what happens when I crash over a thing. You wait till you see. You wait till you see what happens when the grip and the stronghold of dominion and humiliation and shame and authority of sin in your life falls dead in the wake. You wait till you see the thing which meant to leave you dead is left, in the, left dead in my wake. He says, you wait till you see. You, I'm, I'm sorry that you felt that. I'm sorry that that was what you knew. But you wait till you see when you see the reality and the truth of the authority and the love and the power and what it really looks like to just sit at my feet and be. Because then every other thing you do in life, every other thing you strive to want to see and do and be is just a good walk with a good dad. It's just being on a boat, throwing a paddle in and just watching yourself steer with a good dad. It's the most wild adventure you could ever be, but it starts with this with this opportunity for him to say, hey, your life didn't happen in you. There might have been stuff. There might have been things, but you wait till I happen in your life. You wait till my blood hits the ground of your floor. 
You wait, you wait till my presence begins to demand that demons shake and tremble within the walls of your city. You wait, and you wait until everything starts to crumble and what beauty and life and, 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 and flowers and trees spring forth out of all that chaos and out of all those ruins that were once ashes begin to, be, begin to become beautiful and begin to be fertilizer and begin to change everything around your whole world. says, your fear doesn't hinder me. Your mess, your sloppy, sloppy, horrible mess that you think you've created doesn't hinder me. He says, let me walk right in the middle of it. Don't hide a thing from me. Don't change your language for me. Don't change what you look at for me. Let me just walk into it and watch it all shake to the ground. He says, you can't hide a thing far enough. You can't hide a thing deep enough. You can't change a thing more violently enough. He says, just let it all hang out and just let me walk in. Don't go cleaning your house up before I walk in. Don't go trying to make it look like concrete when it's wood. Don't go trying to make it look sound when it's unsound and unstable. He said, it's fine. I'm not mad. I'm not not intimidated. I'm not scared. I'm not even frustrated. I just love you. He says, don't go hiding the matter before I walk in. Just Just let me hang out in there. He says, my presence demands things that have dominated you to not dominate a thing anymore. My presence demands things that have held you strong to be sand on the floor. He says, I am everything I say I am. He says, I am something you can build on. I am something you can live on. morning, I want to give you all an opportunity, and I feel like I'm not trying to over-talk or over-say nothing, but I feel like there's a lot of things that you might see in your life, and he would just simply ask you a question, like if he, if you say, okay, okay, come in, let your presence do its thing in my heart, let your, let your being do its thing in my heart. I think he's going to look around. I think he's going to say, what's that pounding on? I think he's going to say, what's that built on? How's that foundation hold up? How's that foundation hold up? Can we build, can we build a kingdom on that? Can we build a city on that? I think it's the most gentle, most alluring invitation. He's, he, I think he's just like, hold tight. Hold your arms out. Hold your arms out. Let's let this wave crash over you. Let's let this wave wash off all the expectations that have left you disappointed. Let's let this wave cra- like let's let this wave wash over all the disappointment, over all the over all the hurt, over all the abuse, over all the mistreatment, over all the places you felt like a victim to what happened around you. Let's let this wave just don't duck it, don't duck undercover, don't duck it. Just stay, just stand. He said, just stand and let's see what lays dead in the wake. Let's just stand. Let me crash over you. Let my let my blood hit the floor of your house. Let my blood hit the floor of your house, and let's see, let's see what your marriage looks like. Let's see what your family looks like. 
after everything that ever, ever tormented, ever manipulated you, ever twisted you up in fear and doubt and fury lays dead in its wake. Let's see what, let's just give it a try. I just want to fade out. I want to give you all a minute. If you guys would, we can have a prayer team come come up. I would love if you've if you've got something. You're just like man, like I'm having trouble with this. This thing this thing seems founded pretty. This thing seems founded pretty deep. This thing seems pretty pretty gnarly. This thing's gripped me for a while. This disappointment of an expectation that I saw in God and I thought God would do this in my life looks like he's lying. And let's bring that to him. I would love to pray with you. We'd love to we'd love to have a moment where we just where we agree with you that he is good, that he is everything he says, that his blood was enough. That when he walks in your room, everything lines out and everything's a lot easier than we strive for it to be sometimes. So if you would like, if you want to pray, that's cool. We'd love to pray with you. If not, I want to pray over everybody real quick. Like, God, I thank you that you, Lord, you, you're eager to come into our cities. You're eager to come into our rooms. You're eager, eager to come into our dirt, God, and just look at nothing and see something. God, you're eager. You're eager. You're eager to string up what's dominated us by the neck and throw it out. You're eager to come into families and marriages and friendships and jobs and, and futures and dreams and hopes. You're eager to come into disappointments. You're eager to come in, God. You're eager to see the death and the, and the destruction that tried to lay hold of our life and kill us. You're eager to lay hold of it. You're eager to battle. You're eager to love. God, we open up. We hide nothing, God. Lord, I, I pray that I pray that we would just sit for a little bit, just undone. We'd just sit and let you undo some stuff, God. You'd let, Lord, we invite you to come in like a burning flame. Lord, we invite you to burn it all. Burn it up, God. If it's not if it's not sounded, if it's not founded, if it's not rooted in love, God, burn it. Let your all-consuming fire, God, just step step into our, into our hearts, God. We invite you to crash over some foundations and to, to remove some access and to to remove some unfounded strongholds. And God, we invite you to come in and step in like a furious fire of your love. And burn up anything that's not rooted in the fact that you're a son or a daughter. It's not rooted in the fact that you've got more love for us than we could ever muster. So God, we lean back into your 
into your, the steady arms of your foundation. When we look down, God, and we see, we see future and hope written, written across the, the, wall, the foundation of our lives, and we wonder, we gaze and wonder at the hope. We gaze and wonder at what it looks like as, as, as you lay, as you lay, you, Lord, as you lay all the things, as we just lay them down behind us that have roared at us, in Jesus' name. So, God, we just purpose our heart for you for a little bit. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life Church.